ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. All right, we are ready to go. White Sox baseball done for the day. Interesting game. <laughs> Interesting game, though, today. Uh, and it's time to talk some football. Yeah. Because uh, we had a uh, an eventful day out in Indy today with a couple we of uh, we cu- couple of conversations with Ryan Poles. Yes. First with the general media, then with us. We had a chance to talk to Ryan Poles after we heard him uh, speak to uh, the Chicago media, and then of course in the national media. Because everyone wants to talk to Ryan Poles these days, Waddle. He holds all the cards. I think he's the most popular guy in Indianapolis for the second consecutive year for good reason. Yes, yes. Matt Eberflus also met the media. We're heading down to Indianapolis after tomorrow's show. That should be eventful because I believe on Friday is the day the most of the quarterbacks are speaking, including Caleb Williams is scheduled to speak on Friday morning. So we have not, like, he'll have a chance to answer a lot of the questions about not having representation, about no. which team uh, he may or may not want to play for. Ryan Poles addressed that today. But uh, let's get right to it, all right? And and if you want to react, if you hear anything, 312-332-3776. Let's, uh, here's how I'm going to do it. So we spoke to Ryan Poles again after we heard the press conference, because first we wanted to hear what questions he would answer. So let's play a couple of the answers from the press conference that were notable, and then we built off of that in our conversation. So we'll do it in that order. Again, we spoke to him earlier in the day today when he had time and availability because, of course, he's very busy uh, watching and interviewing a lot of things down in Indianapolis. So I thought this was good because right off the bat, he tore off the Band-Aid and he said um, what the plans are at quarterback, or in this case, um, what isn't uh, being publicized as far as the plans, at least what he knows. Here's his answer to that. First pick, quarterback situation. Um, contrary to reports out there, I have no master plan to present to everyone today. Um, this is an opportunity for us to continue to gather information, um, learn about the different players in the draft, um, listen to what opportunities could come up, um, and then at the end of the day, we're going to make the best decision um, that we can for the Chicago Bears. Uh, it will not be based on fear of what could happen with this and what could happen with that. We're going to put our information together and make the best decision because at the end of the day, we'll always throw our decision-making against kind of our core kind of deal, which is win championships and sustain success for a long period of time. There's a lot that goes into that, uh, but we're excited to gather that information and, and create clarity uh, as we go along. So no grand announcement this time. Do you read anything into that? No, I'm not surprised. I, I think the, the, the thing that I read into the first part of what he had to say today was is just, A, he's good at this and much better than his predecessor. He's very respectful of his players. I think he began today's press conference by acknowledging Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair and the contributions they've made to this great franchise over the course of the last several years. And I just think he, you know, he's very respectful of people's, you know, situations. And I think he handles himself with that. And, and, and I think you and I talked about this the other day. I have no 
no question at all in my body that, that he will handle this in the most professional way, making sure that everyone is treated with respect and dignity if the decision goes in a direction that you know, somebody is not going to be part of the, the future. And he, he addressed that, and then we'll, we'll drill down in our conversation with Ryan Poles about this. He talks about the communication, the ongoing communication that he has had with Justin Fields and Justin Fields' camp. Yeah, so I've always felt, and I told, uh, told him this after uh, the season when we had our exit meetings, that you know, transparency and communication is, is key in these moments, um, and I told him we will do that. So I've been in contact with his team and, and kind of let him let them know like what we're looking at, um, how things might play out, um, and that we'll continue to communicate as we move forward. Again, I understand how uncomfortable that is for him. Um, but again, like I told him, and he understands, I think he said it the other day too, it's, it's part of this business. It is a unique situation. So, uh, But yeah, I'll continue that communication. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've no doubt at all. That I had no doubt that he would handle this situation I, look, I have a strong feeling as to what direction he's going, but I and and based on how he handled things today, I'm not surprised at all. He, you know, he treats people with you know with respect and with professionalism. And uh, this is the theme that he addressed a lot today on the podium and with us. Uh, Ryan Paul's talking about the timeline and how he would like to do it in a in a quick manner. He talked about uh, the possibility if they do decide to trade Justin Fields. A lot of ifs about this. They would like to do this in a in a in a quicker fashion. It just depends on what opportunities pop up. Um, I will say this. Um, I think you guys know me uh, well enough now. I do, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. Let me build on that with this, too. This is from Ryan Poles at the podium. When would you like to know what exactly you're going to do? And I thought this spoke volumes as to how they don't want to take this to the finish line. Tomorrow. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, no, before no, free agency? Or, I would love to know as soon as possible. Right. I mean, I, mean, I would love to know. Um, but I know that's not how the process works. Um, you know, there's sure before free agency would be good. Like I said, I'm also taking, um, you know, if we were to do something with Justin, like I want to do right by him. Um, and I know, again, living in that gray space, you would want to do something sooner rather than later. Um, but just like I talk about with contracts, it takes two teams to figure that out. Um, but at the same time, we're also trying to figure out the draft process as well. So there's a lot of different things with different timelines going, and that's what makes it a little a lot of plates in the air, Waddle, but yeah. I think that that's where he's more open to a lot of other general managers where he didn't tell you everything, but I think he did tell you a lot there because a lot of other general managers would simply say, look, when we have something to announce, we're going to announce something. Yeah. He told you, we want to get this done quickly. We'd like to get it done maybe before free agency. We'd like to know as soon as possible. And it goes along with what we learned last year with Ryan Poles where he told us at the Combine they would like to get a deal done for the number one pick quick. And we're like, okay, he's BSing us. And then like a week later, they had that number one pick traded quickly. He was open and honest. And I think 
Um, I wouldn't be shocked if something gets done in a week here, a week, 10 days, something sooner maybe than that, too. I, I again, this is just my my interpretation of it. I think there's more gray area, the phrase that he used attached to finding a dance partner with regard to trading Justin there. There is gray area with regard to how they feel about what they're going to do with the first overall selection. That's just me reading tea leaves and making my own assumptions. Um, Look, I think they wanted to get this done sooner rather than later strategically because you don't want to be left without a dance partner. You just don't. I mean, like this, this, some things are going to unfold here probably sooner rather than later. And you want to make sure that you have somebody that you can, you know, consummate a deal with. And I think also, again, and I'm not overvaluing this or, or overstating this, I don't think. I think they want to do the right thing for Justin as well. If they've decided they're going to move on, what they want to do is is they want to make sure that that they get that done, not only for their own well-being, but also out of respect to him and let him move on with his NFL career in another NFL town if that's the direction they're going. And I think it just shows you the class and the professionalism with which Ryan Poles is trying to do his job. I think this this answer spoke volumes too because this is more than just a what-if. Uh, we've talked a lot about this. What about that locker room chemistry? What about all the guys, including DJ Moore? And later in the show, I want to play you what DJ Moore had to say uh, again today or recently. I think it was yesterday or today. But again, everyone's saying Justin's our guy. We stand behind Justin. We want Justin to be our quarterback. This is a long, detailed answer about how Ryan Poles would address that with the team. It's more in my book, than just a what if. He's really thought about this. Um, and, and to me, it's it's more than not if, it's it's when he's going to talk to the team about uh, a Justin Fields trade. You know, he's a leader. Every, everything our guys have said is true. And not surprised our guys have said what they have said. I feel the same way. Um, and I think sometimes this whole thing gets, you know, Justin versus another person. Um, and I have to look at it a little bit differently. I take that into effect. That's why the person is so important when we evaluate other people that would come in that position. Um, but also it's my job to think of the long term, and, and a lot of our guys kind of don't don't see that. That's not their, their job to do that, and they defend their guy, which I think speaks volume, volumes about our culture and our locker room. I mean, you've made big trades before. Would that cause a, is there anxiety that comes with that for someone who didn't have to deliver that sort of news? No, because I have faith... Um, in our ability to communicate with our guys. Um, and when we do that, I think they'll know that it's in the best interest of of the team. And I think as we've moved along here, I think that the, the trust factor is there, that they're in good hands with however we decide to. I have felt that this is one of the more, this is my own personal feeling, I have felt this is one of the more overvalued aspects of this entire you know, puzzle is that, well, you can't move forward because everyone loves Justin. Everyone loves him. Why wouldn't you? He's a good kid, uh, works hard, good leader. Um, you know, first guy in the building, last guy to leave. That's never been debated by anybody. Uh, but you can't make decisions based on, on popularity contests. And I don't think it's being disrespectful to Justin, but this is how players react. I mean, like I've been in locker rooms. Of course, you're going to defend your guy. You like him. You know, I mean, listen, DJ Moore had, what, 1,200 yards receiving and almost 10 touchdowns on the other end of Justin Fields' passes? 
like, of course, I, I understand why DJ Moore feels that way. I understand why all the Bears players feel that way because they respect him and they like him. I think also they understand deep in their, you know, their football souls that Ryan Poles has got a job to do. And I'm, I don't believe that there is any chance that there's going to be an insurmountable fissure in the foundation of the Bears football program because they would move on from Justin. You bring in somebody, if that guy's good, guess what? Everyone's drooling over him. You know, so like right. this is a business. So I, I think that I, I'm not undervaluing people's feelings, but I don't think I'm overvaluing the impact that moving on from somebody will have. This is the this is business in the NFL. One more uh, th- one more bite I want to play, then we'll get to our conversation with Ryan Poles. This was the Caleb Williams thing that was brought up before. What if he doesn't want to play with the Bears? No, no, no concerns about that at all. I, I would love to know why if that was the case. Like I said, I think um, as a young quarterback, and I've been around it, the infrastructure is important, and I think we've made really good progress in terms of having really good infrastructure for whoever were to come in or if Justin were to stay here. So very uh, dismissive regarding that, and I think we'll find out more from Caleb Williams himself on Friday when we're at uh, the Combine. So, look, I, I, the reason I wanted to play that first but before our conversation is because what we wanted to do, we didn't want to be redundant. We didn't want to ask a lot of the same questions at the podium and repeat a lot of the stuff that you may have heard as Bears fans. We wanted to build off of a lot of the stuff. So that's what you heard at the podium today. That's what you got. And then we caught up with Ryan Poles maybe like an hour after his uh, podium appearance. And this was our conversation with the general manager of the Chicago Bears. Let's start with the darts and the putt-putt. We're, we're <laughs> heading out there on, on Wednesday night, and we're broadcasting there on Thursday. A, mm-hmm. do you still have the darts and the putt-putt? And we're bringing Jenga for our broadcast to loosen up some of our guests. Do you there like you that call to uh, loosen up our guests? I do. I do. I think that'll add to uh, a little bit of the stress, but as long as you kind of make it fun, I think uh, that'll that'll help the, the situation out. Let guys kind of chill out a little bit. Did, did, do you have a new system this year with regard to getting you know th- what you need from from these prospective players? Yeah, in terms of the interviews, um, yeah, that's been going really well so far. We started last night. Um, had a good group. It was D line and, and linebackers, uh, mostly D line for us. And uh, we had some of the best interviews I've had in a very long time with guys just, you know, being themselves and showing their personalities and what their makeup is and, you know, why they play the game the way that they do. So it's been going really well. So uh, we heard your press conference, um, and and obviously we know you don't have the quarterback situation known as of yet. One thing that caught my ear was that you have communicated to Justin's camp. What 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 has been the main thing that you have told Justin in his camp? Yeah, just give him a heads up of you know this situation um, is difficult um, because you know I mentioned uncertainty and, and living in the gray is, is hard. Um, no one wants to go through that for a long period of time. Um, but I gave my word that we'd be transparent and, and communicate along the way. Um, and I've talked to his team about that as well. Um, as things come together and in whatever direction that is, um, we'll let them know. Um, 
and that's that's the to me it's a sign of respect for Justin because of how he's always handled his position and what he means to to our team. So, I want to do right by him and and uh, what is it, a challenging time for him and his family. Has he been frustrated at all, Ryan? No, Justin's so poised and takes it one day at a time. Um, you know, even he's mentioned like he understands the business and, and these difficult difficult calls and situations. Um, and Justin's always been himself, um, and that's that's something we all value in the organization as well. So um, everything has stayed positive to this point. It, it, Ryan, where are you at personally on this in this process with regard to a, a, this really big decision? Do you have a specific timeline for this decision, or is the timeline fluid in your in your your opinion? Yeah, the t- timeline's fluid. I think it's important to gather as much information as possible. Um, you know, it's almost like a two-minute drill. You don't want to rush and make mistakes, but you do have to have a sense of urgency to you. Um, definitely going to lean on my team as well as, as we gather information, kind of discuss those things. Um, but I also think there's an instinct to it too, um, where you feel like there's a situation that hits you the right way. Um, if that's for or against the situation, um, and when it's you kind of get that internal green light, then then you act on it. That's why I've always kind of lived life, but also. I've operated as as a general manager as well, so we'll continue to do that, and um, hopefully, you know, things will continue to be positive. Obviously, it's a very big decision. Uh, do you look at this impending QB situation decision as a career defining decision? And and do you feel any pressure, pressure? How much pressure do you feel associated with having to make this decision? No, oddly enough, and I think it's just because of the group of people I have around me um, and some of the experience that I've gone through in the past. Um, I feel feel really good about the situation. There's a level of, of confidence and poise um, as we go about this. Um, I know, shoot, I was at the Blackhawks game the other day, and I, I heard uh, basically a debate in the middle of the lobby with about 100 people of what we should do, which I find fascinating. And I love the energy that our fans bring. Um, but the one thing is that, you know, I don't move in fear of, of getting it wrong. You know, I really focus on uh, getting this thing right. So, um I got a ton of confidence that everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to. When when you hear that, uh, do do they see you, or or are you just kind of eavesdropping? Um, that Bears fans are just talking about this. Oh, they see me. They see me. All right. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was getting everyone's opinion uh, on Sunday. I love that. I love that that you're not running from it. And you know something that you said about your team. And, and I'm going back to the Kansas City days because this story has always stuck with me that uh, Brett Veach knew that Pat, Patrick Mahomes had to pass the Andy Reid test, that he had to go through the hours of sitting with Andy Reid and going through the whiteboard, and, and then Andy Reid gave the famous thumbs up. So who is important to you to, to pass the test of whoever it is, whether it's Justin, whether it's Caleb, whether it's Drake May, someone else, who's the guy that you're leaning on, Ryan, to pass that test? Yeah, we got a unique group um, from a leadership standpoint, from a makeup standpoint. Um, obviously, myself and my team lean on them, but that's where Flus is special. Um, he understands makeup that it takes to be special in this league. Um, from an offensive standpoint in terms of the base of knowledge, the skill set, um, the recall, um, all of that, you know, heavily lean on, on Shane and, and Thomas Brown. Um, those guys are, um, 
going to be be huge uh, for that buy-in too because I, I want as those guys walk into their room, um, I want them to you know be confident in them and, and have a part of this process too. Um, so, and we've we've had the discussion with Justin, and we know his makeup, and and Shane and those guys have watched him and know what he's capable of too. So, we just got to balance those two things and 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 see what puts us in a situation where we can win championships and sustain success for a long time. You, Ryan, you guys obviously got it right out in KC years ago. What did you learn through the process of evaluating Patrick Mahomes, then drafting him, and then, uh, equally important, developing him? When you put it all under the microscope, what did you learn there that maybe you could use going forward here in Chicago? Yeah, the one thing we talk about a lot in your scouting circle sometimes is, you know, what what can he do? What can a player do um, in terms of their skill? Um, and then where's their struggles at, and can you improve that? Um, and those conversations with our coach, can we improve, you know, these three things? Because if we can do that paired with what his strengths are, um, you might have something special there. Um, so that, that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, infrastructure. Um, infrastructure to support and give a quarterback confidence. Um, that, that's important as well. Um, you know, shoot, uh, I'll go back to just watching Matt Ryan, you know, one of my roommates. I think his first pass against Detroit was like a 75-yard touchdown. His career just like took off from there. Um, Pat waited a year, uh, really to the end of that that first season against Denver, and had success, and it took off from there. So, having infrastructure around them, making sure that they're comfortable in what they're doing, um, those are all important pieces um, that you got to have in place to have success and have a guy grow. You mentioned Shane. Um, how did you come to the conclusion that he was your guy as the offensive coordinator? And then on top of that, what impact or level of input will he have in your decision at the quarterback position? Yeah, uh, alignment's important for us. Um, so he's going to be a part of the process with Matt and I, um, as well as the, the rest of our front office. Um, because, like I said, I, I want complete buy-in and alignment uh, so we can develop a guy to the maximum potential. I want everyone to see the ceiling. Um, if that's the route that we go, and, and that's really for anybody, uh, that's for Justin too. Um, and I think the first question you cut out there a little bit was, uh, "What about Shane was was unique?" And I think yeah. his ability to tie the the run and the pass game together um, in his presentations and from our background, um, that's important. It, it creates uh, really alignment in your your play calling, um, and and that's really good. The teaching. He, he's an unbelievable communicator and how he blocks things together so guys can understand what's going on and, and they can play fast. So all of those things were really important to us, and, and he nailed it. Ryan, after after talking to whoever you talk to, and if you love a player at number one, does it matter what an offer would be for number one? Would you stick with that player? Um, I think if it gets to the point where someone were to check all of those boxes that you believe – you know, put a guy in a situation to be, you know, special. Um, yeah, I think you, you try to shut down the whole thing. Um, there's obviously some strategy in that as well. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of see how this, this thing plays out. But, yeah, all of those things are going to affect how we move forward. Have you, uh, have you had to change rooms this year? Are you getting <laughs> knocks on your door? I'm still hiding out. I got a good spot, and uh, I'm excited about that. I have a. Uh, I haven't told anybody this yet, but um, I have some free evenings uh, later in the week. Um, that uh, I got a golf simulator in my in my suite this year. <laughs> oh, living large, you know, full golf simulator. 
Yeah, I, is it a good thing or a bad thing to be the most popular guy in Indy for the second consecutive year? Uh, you know, there's, it's opportunity, right? Um, with opportunity comes some of these um, stresses, if you want to call it that. Um, you're in high demand. People, you know, want to know what you're thinking. Uh, they want to meet with you. Um, they want to see where you stand in terms of are you, you staying still, are you moving, who you're trading, who you're not trading. Um, it's just part of the deal. It comes with the territory. Um and because of the opportunity that it does bring, you know, it's it's something that we'll, you know, take advantage of and, and enjoy while we're we're in this situation. And hopefully, this presents us with with uh, you know talent that's going to change this organization and, and allow us to to reach that that last game of the year and, and bring home a trophy. Will your performance with the golf simulator in any way, shape, or form affect your decision making the following day? <laughs> no. No, not at all. It's just a stress reliever to let me relax my mind for a little bit. Gotcha. Ryan, we, we really appreciate the time. Good luck, and hopefully we'll run into you in Indy and we'll play around to Jenga, okay? Sounds good. I'll be, I'll be ready. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Poles from earlier today. So I, let me get this straight. A year ago, it was like just a putting green. Yeah. Today, it's a simulator. Yeah. Like, he's going to have the Augusta full setup in his suite, like, next year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm still trying to figure out. I couldn't understand. I, I couldn't decipher what the noise was in the background when we did the interview. I still can't. It, I don't know if it was like someone's in a dunk tank or, you know, they're, they're doing was- go karts or whatever is going on. Like, I don't know what that is. Is it like, was he actually hitting shots into the golf simulator? And for the good shots, that was the crowd cheering. I couldn't tell what the noise was. It was like a blast, and then it would go away, and yeah. then the blast would repeat. Yeah. I don't know what it was either. It was crazy. Um, you know, but I, I, I enjoy the hell out of our conversations with him. He's got a good sense of humor, and he's willing. Look, he's not going to tell you any secrets, but at the very least, he's, he's not going to, to do, as you say, shut you down and say, listen, when we have a decision, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what it is. Yeah. At the very least, he'll dance with you a little. I think he throws you some breadcrumbs. Yeah. No, like, I, think that, uh, yeah. I think the point that you, the question you asked him about, look, if you find the guy, yeah. at that point, does it doesn't matter what they're willing to package and right. send your way. Like, like, like again, like, and, and we could, let's expand on that. Like, it doesn't matter if you get two first, two seconds. If he, it's what you have said. If you love what you see at one, you draft him. Yes. And he told you that. Yeah. He There's confirmed of, what you've been saying. There's one thing, again, that he told us that makes you really say, hmm. I thought one of my biggest takeaways had to do with a man that he loves inside Hallis Hall. And, and there's one man that we know that he loves more than any. And we'll address that coming up next. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. I look at situations. You know, I look at the guys that can operate third down, two minute, um, in, in the end of the game situations. That, that to me is what se- that's a separator um, for me. Um, and then you look at toughness. You know, you got to look in toughness for a quarterback. Really, is is about the mental toughness to be able to stand in the pocket and deliver the ball. 
um, and then also have the discernment to be able to move out of the pocket and create when it's necessary. So, um, and there's they come on all different shapes and sizes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's always been fun to evaluate those guys. Matt Eberflus today in Indianapolis at the combine. Thought it was very interesting. Again, when I asked uh, Ryan Poles about who's your Andy Reid, who's the guy? Like Reid's been doing it forever. He's an offensive-minded guy. He's the guy who runs that organization that, even though Brett Veach was the general manager, they had to get the approval from Andy Reid to go inside that film room to talk about uh, the whiteboard plays and, and, and to get Patrick Mahomes to vibe with Reid, to get the ultimate approval. So who is that guy that Ryan Poles is leaning on? And he called Eberflus special. Um, and, Sonny and, Crockett from Miami Vice. That's who it is. <laughs> the way he's looking routine? these days with, with the with the beard. He had the uh, he had the the hoodie on, a nice hoodie, and a and like if you saw the jacket up close, it wasn't like this quarter zip with a Bears logo on it. It was something that came from a. It looked like a, a an upscale designer. So has he, he had a total transformation? Like a uh, a total makeover. I, I not I'm not sure, but I, like listen from a stylistic standpoint, I'm I'm digging it. I, I don't know how that equates. Is he to your Andy Reid wins, but is like, he your Andy Reid? Mine. Look, I I I get. I'm not going to sit here and, and and be dishonest to anybody. I, I mean, I prefer Jim Harbaugh. I was very I was very open and honest about that. Okay, um, would that have been a leap or a stretch based on how certain things, you know, are, are orchestrated up there? Maybe so. But look, I mean, Ryan Poles has decided that that you know that Sonny Crack. I mean, that Matt Eberflus yeah. is his guy. So I, I'm I'm going to ride with him. What else can I do? We can't do anything else. Let's now. ride. No, Let's he ride. loves him. He, I know, he one thousand percent believes in him. We should all find someone in our lives that love us as much as as Ryan Poles loves Matt Eberflus. I mean, look, but you, you listen. I'd rather have this than the general manager making moves and trades, yes. trying to draft a quarterback and going surprise, coach. This is what I did. Yes, it's true. Like, I mean, they're going to do this in tandem. Right. So, uh, look, I, I mean, again, I, I haven't been shy about how I felt about upgrading all over the place. But, you know, Ryan Poles has made this decision, and, and I'll ride with it. Um, you know, I think if we're in the process of connecting dots, I think that, you know, we learned as much, I think, from that last bite from Matt Eberflus about what direction they may be pointed in as we did from listening to, to Ryan Poles. Um, how do you mean? Well, he talked about third downs, two minutes, end of game situations. And, you know, I, I think Kevin Fishpain uh, from The Athletic wrote a great article about Justin's struggles late in games. This was in uh, November of last year. And I think there was still five or six games left. So I, I called Tyler after I heard this and I said, Tyler, and you, Tyler, you'd probably be a better, do a better job delivering some of these numbers than me. I said, look, with this in mind, because he was telling you what's important to him with regard to the quarterback. Third downs, two minutes, and those end-of-game situations. And I know that statistically the numbers aren't kind to Justin in his time here in Chicago. And again, it's not all his fault. Bad cast around him at times and all the other things. But if you look deep into some of these numbers, am I right, Tyler? It's pretty scary. And, yeah. it, and if you're going to connect those dots, I mean, it – 
it would lead you to believe that the coach is looking in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest ones that you see are the game situation when the team is trailing less than two minutes to go. He has a 38% completion percentage. This is when you get a lot of dink and dunk stuff in a lot of those situations. He's only thrown for 126 yards in those uh, situations as well when they're trailing with less than two minutes to go. If you get into like three games, you should be able to rack up 126 yards in trailing less than two minutes to go. And there were plenty of situations this year where the Bears were trailing with less than two minutes to go, and he could have just racked up some garbage time yards, and he couldn't even do that. Yeah, I I mean, some of the numbers, and I think that you – you know, we we looked at him, I mean, in his career, trailing with less than four minutes to go, he's only thrown three touchdown passes in those situations. That's been three years, right? Like, so, I mean, again, if, if you're trying to connect the dots. Now, I'll, I'll bring you a different perspective on the other side of this conversation. When we, we heard from Ryan Poles, and he talked about infrastructure and what he learned being with Kansas City in the process where they went through evaluating – uh, Patrick Mahomes drafting Mahomes and then developing Holmes. He talked about infrastructure and what's in place to help that quarterback. Now, listen, to Justin's defense, that infrastructure, especially early in his career, was not in place. No. Like when you, he was thrown down the steps in Cleveland with a game plan by Matt Nagy, like that's not great infrastructure. And then, look, Ryan Changing Poles it won- up right away. In, in, yeah, and then in, in year two of Justin's tenure here in Chicago, he gets a new coach, he gets a new offense, and Ryan Poles, and, and I was all on board with it, is in the process of tearing that team down, the roster down, to build it back up. That puts Justin in a difficult position as well. So, listen, when, when, when you talk about what's necessary for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, to succeed, and, and the conversation focuses on infrastructure, I have tremendous amount of sympathy for the situation Justin found himself in, especially in the first two years of his career. And, and like, they had a really good debate today. I was driving um, to get the new Sequoia, by the way, which were uh, – Driving to Indian. That's a that's a big vehicle, isn't it's it? It's a big boy. That's yeah. a big boy car right there. It is. Much different. Stuart looked at me in uh, from in sales. He goes, You're gonna be able to drive that? And I go, and like and I mean it was a little patronizing to me. But was they think it was it wasn't an eighteen wheeler, was it? No. It is a much bigger car than the Rav four. Right. But it's not like I'm twelve either. Like <laughs> yeah, I, I I've is driven the some bigger too cars. much for you to handle, Sylvie with those I know, hands. like he handed me a phone book there too. I'm like, I'll be okay, Stuart. Thank you. Thanks for your concern. <laughs> big car. Takes a big man to drive a big car. Um, but I was, I was listening, um, driving to the dealership, and they were having the conversation. I guess Ryan Leaf said that the Bears quarterback issues is systemic. And they were having the debate, Black and Yurko, I forget if I heard Abdallah's take, but they were all like, that's a, a bad take. And Carmen defended it. And I understand what, like, I understand both sides because it isn't one system. It isn't just one coach who has failed and they have changed it out. But where it is systemic is, um, like, you can look at the way they have never lined up the coach and the quarterback on the same timeline, and they're doing it again with possibly a new guy. Or what they did to Justin and with Matt Nagy in his last year, then the first year with Eberflus, what you documented. We've always talked about it, the circle of suck. Or like what they did to Mitch 
with not telling the coach. That's all different general managers, but the ownership allowed all of that to happen. And if ownership really wanted to end the the bad system or the bad cycle, they could have stepped in and ended it. Or that Jay Cutler, while all different, um, that Jay Cutler had uh, Ron Turner and Mike Martz and, uh, you know, who was after Mike Martz then? Was, was Gase, it Tice? He played under yeah, Gase, Mike Tice. too, didn't he? Yeah, Mike Tice and Adam Gase, on and on and on, one after another after another, and it's just, it's 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 a com. This the problem is, is the system is is awful, and that it it's a continuous circle of suck, like I call it. The system is there is no system. Do you know what I mean? No, I I know there's the, no good way of doing it here. I, I and that portion of it I agree with. I also agreed with what Black and, and Yurko were saying too, though. About listen, you cannot you cannot punish Ryan Poles for the sins of his predecessor, yes. and you can't you can't punish Ryan Pace for the sins of his predecessor, and so on and so forth. And it, and it's one of the things I've resisted as well from fans that say, "Well, I don't know why we're going to draft a quarterback at one. We've never been able to to develop one here in town." That doesn't mean you stop trying. This is a different regime, and this is a different situation. So I do believe that, yes, I agree with your your description of the systemic problem being that you don't often that, – that's not even accurate. You've never had general manager, coach, quarterback on the same page, which you know you would think would create some form of harmony. It's always disjointed in some way. And that has been a systemic problem for this organization. There's no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, I just I, – I, I want it to, to end. I want to be – I want there to be quarterback happiness in this town. I want there to be like beers. You know, I'm so, so excited uh, over the possibilities. And another one of my takeaways from polls was, is that he's leaning into the pressure that it's not pressure for him, that it's opportunity. And I like hearing that from polls. Well, and and, yeah. And and I, I I love the the thought that, you know, because we've talked about this. A lot of people have talked about it. What is the NFL universe going to think of him if he passes on a quarterback again? And first it was C.J. Stroud. What if he passes on Caleb Williams? He's not going to make a decision based on fear or based on perception or, or how he thinks people or however people may perceive him with regard to what decision he's going to make. He's going to make a decision that he has conviction about, and, and they're going to move forward. I, I do think that you know this is an opportunity for him to really truly put his stamp on this team with, with this decision. And again, I think it's going to, I think you'll see some movement. And again, just me speculating, I think it'll be sooner rather than later for a lot of reasons that we've already discussed. Um, uh, there was some good stuff uh, today um, all the way around, yeah, all around. A lot of places. A lot of places. Uh, I want to hear what caught your ear. There's, there's a former quarterback who weighed in on this, who's now like a megastar uh, uh, rega- in the media regarding uh, the quarterback, and he thinks this is a done deal on what the Bears are going to do. I want to play you that, and I want to know what you thought, what one of your takeaways was uh, regarding this. And Peter King also has, has kind of weighed in. He was asked again on what he knew because of what he wrote in his column, and I think he, he sort of um, – 
back to off a little of his proclamation. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. And, and I thought also real quick, I thought Albert Breer had a couple of really, oh. you know, important statements this morning with Cap and Jonathan as well. Good stuff. We'll play the Breer stuff at six. So we'll have some good time to talk about that. We'll get to all of that. And if you want to weigh in, 332-3776. Waddle and Sylvie are back. Are back. Follow the show on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie and at T Waddle 87. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. If you missed the Ryan Poles conversation, you can grab that on YouTube. Our new YouTube channel is YouTube and then search ESPN Chicago. And then it's also on the ESPN Chicago app. Just go to the Waddle and Sylvie page. All your favorite shows are there. You can listen live on both those places. You can watch us on YouTube. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app. And all the uh, pods are there as well. Some really good stuff. I know uh, Waddle was looking to uh, subscribe to that new YouTube channel. I was, yeah. He's getting after it. I did not get a chance to do it, though, Jeff, because I went outside and took a walk and uh, enjoyed the uh, weather. That sounds like but a things. fabulous idea. Yeah, Next time you know what you do, you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Then when you're walking, you could throw in those earbuds and watch while you're taking Do you know what nice I was walk. doing? Do you know what I was doing? I was listening to the White Sox and Dodgers game. That's what I was doing on my walk. It's the best way to that? do it. Land, yeah. Land and DJ did. Yeah, of course I was. And, and I was listening for the White Sox, not for Shohei Otani's you know, debut in a Dodger uniform. And he did hit a dong. He did, but earlier, Garrett Crochet struck, struck him out on 100. Yeah. Froze him. Yeah. Well, I would say, though, if you go through the day and you're one for three with a dong and a strikeout, you had a good day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Especially in your, your debut coming off of uh, uh, elbow surgery. <laughs> You know, I, I, I know it's it's more for throwing, but still, it's not easy it's just picking up a bat and right, swinging it. Right, he had his elbow reconstructed. Yeah, exactly. Still, still not, not an easy thing. Um, all right, so uh, uh, let me play a couple of things here. Uh, let me play you first Boomer Esiason, who obviously is a former quarterback, who is also on CBS and, and has hosted forever in New York on The Fan. Um, he had this take regarding the Bears and Caleb Williams. I, I, if you listen to what's going on out there, it doesn't sound like it's completely over. It doesn't. They're, right, they're, it's I, over. Uh, I mean, it should be over. It's over. This, they're taking this kid right here, and if they don't take this kid, then Ryan Paul should be fired. Yeah. I mean, I. I, I mean, you got to you got to restart the quarterback clock. You got all the assets from the trades that you've made. Um, you're sitting pretty. You kept your head coach. You got a new offensive coordinator in there. You know, you could you could say that they they should have hired Cliff Kingsbury, but he ended up going to Washington. Cale Williams is from Washington D.C. Well, well, here, but here's all right. So this is the the thing when I say something's going yeah. on, and you just touched on it. And if you're the number one overall pick, you go to whatever team. So that was uh, Boomer Esiason, who says I, in, the big I, takeaway I, was it's it, it, it's over. He should be fired. <laughs> uh, that's a bit extreme, but I, yeah. uh, I, I, I tend to believe the way that Boomer does, and I think that, I think that the, his answer to your question today is probably the clearest cuts. I think hint that that it doesn't matter what you're going to offer. Like we could sit here and play this game. I heard Carmen, the good kid, talking about it today as well. About you know, everyone wants to help the Bears. Here's a first round pick. Here's another first round pick. You want to trade back again? Here's a couple more first round picks. I don't know if you could place a pot of golds at his doorstep 
And he would take it if, in fact, I think he told you exactly how he felt with your question. If there's somebody out there that he believes is worth the number one overall selection, and it's what you and I have been saying now for months, and he thinks that guy can take you somewhere the current guy can't take you, it doesn't matter what anyone's offering. You have to make that pick. Right. uh, Jeff Hughes from DeBear's Den, um, who uh, DeBear's blog, who is very connected at House. I've told you for a while he's broke a lot of stories. He said, like, Washington continues to try to get this number one pick. So much chatter about Washington in all caps, aggressively pursuing the first pick. I love a lot of the mentions to this because a lot of people wrote, it's almost like they know Caleb Williams is great. (laughs) Do you know what? I know he's from D.C. too, but, but... but it's you don't just go after a quarterback because they're from your hometown. Right. You know, the Bears, the Bulls didn't draft Derrick Rose just because he was from Chicago. Right. They made him the number one pick because he was great. Yes. That's why they made him the number one pick. Yes, and if they're that eager to 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 want to give you everything, then maybe you ought to, yeah. maybe you ought to think, well, maybe he's worth it. Yes. So, exactly. I mean Exactly. Like, um, and then let me play you this. Peter King was on the Dan Patrick show. We wanted to know, like, it was a weird way he wrote it. He wrote, I know nothing. And then he said, but the way the wind is blowing, I think the Bears are going to keep Justin Fields. Today, Dan Patrick pressed him on it a little bit. Uh, the Chicago Bears, uh, not not a report, but you kind of sent something out there that caught my attention where you go, I could see the Bears. The wind is blowing that it looks like they'll trade that number one pick. These are scenarios that could happen. How much research is in there, Pete? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You didn't speak to anybody. I spoke to nobody. (laughs) I haven't talked to anybody. Like, Dan, a year ago at this time, I just read. I read what's out there. A year ago at this time, I sat in a room for 45 minutes with Ryan Poles, right at the scouting combine at the Hyatt in Indianapolis. His next appointment was Scott Fitterer, the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. And that's what, this is what Ryan Poles is going to do this week. And I just believe, I just believe, if I am Ryan Poles, you know what I have on my team? I have a B quarterback with about 10 significant holes. I probably in the next two drafts, could take the first pick in this draft and turn it into, along with my other picks, a total of maybe eight picks in the top two rounds in the next two drafts. I could do that. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you build a great team around a B quarterback instead of drafting a quarterback who might be an A quarterback, but... It's the hardest thing to project in all of sports. What quarterback when you when you that you draft is going to be great? Look at the misses over the years. So in my opinion, if your locker room loves Justin Fields, if you know that you can surround Justin Fields with a supporting cast the way Brett Veach and Andy Reid have surrounded Patrick Mahomes, with a supporting cast, to me, it's not a very difficult decision. But I don't know what they're going to do, Dan. I put that in basically because you just keep hearing 
things about this. And I just believe that the smartest thing for them is to trade the pick. Mostly an opinion piece. Yeah, I, listen, you know, we both have so much respect and, and love for Peter King. I mean, he's been so good to us, and, and I've enjoyed all of his work for decades. Uh, and Miller was just whispering in, in sweet nothings in my ear while that was playing and said the, the one missing piece is, is with Brett Veach and Andy Reid is, is Patrick Mahomes. And I think it's just it's too easy to walk down that road and just casually make a reference to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Like, Patrick Mahomes makes all of those guys work. Of course. And like, know, so, I, I brought it up earlier about Andy Reid earlier in the week. I'm writing about it this week. Andy Reid was a, a, a good to very good coach before Mahomes. Yes. Andy Reid, after Patrick Mahomes, is a Hall of Fame coach. Correct. It took him 21 years to win a championship before, before Patrick Mahomes. He had Donovan McNabb and Alex Smith. But after Patrick Mahomes, he could build great teams, and he had some great teams, but he didn't have the stud quarterback. What changed everything? What changed everything for Bill Belichick? Right. The what stud changed, quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's... Th that's it. A team that that has a great coach usually has a great quarterback. That's, that's just, the they thing. go hand in hand. Yeah, like, everyone loves Bill Walsh, and why wouldn't you? He was maybe Joe the Joe Montana, Steve great, Young. Correct. Like he may be the the NFL's greatest offensive, you know, innovator. He had Joe Montana and Steve Young, and mm -hmm. you may say, "Well, those guys, you know, uh, flourished in his system." I would also suggest you give those guys some damn credit for being really good at what they do. Twenty-one years for Andy Reid without a title. Yes. Now all of a sudden he's got what three? Yes, because Patrick Mahomes. Yes. All right, coming up next, uh, we will play you some Albert Breer and what he had to say today. Interesting stuff. And uh, we will take all your phone calls, 332-3776.